whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a marriage problem. It can be anything, but you have to fight. And a lot of us, we're complaining, but you haven't even begun the fight yet. You're complaining. My favorite thing is when people tell me they're struggling. But if you look at the definition of the word struggle, the actual definition, if you Googled it right now, it would say a violent attempt to be free of something. That's a struggle. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is Weekly Scrap number 221. Tonight's guest is Josh Chase. He is a fire lieutenant with Norfolk Fire Rescue, an 18-year veteran of the fire service. He has a passion for leadership and strengthening firefighters to lead at the informal level. Joss has authored two books, Jump Seat Leadership, The Guide to Informal Leadership in the Fire Service, and has recently published Engage the Enemy, Fight for Your Purpose. We'll be discussing both those books this evening. He also served as a sergeant in the United States Army. He served as a crew chief, door gunner for Black Hawk helicopters in Western Iraq during Operation Iraqi Freedom. He's been awarded multiple medals, both military and, and, and in the fire service. Josh is the husband of an awesome wife. He's the father to three amazing kids. Through his military service, fire service career, life experiences, he hopes to strengthen, encourage, and empower others to discover and live out their purpose. I've been looking forward to this scrap. We had to delay it once, and we brought it back, and it's here, yeah. and I'm excited. It's my absolute pleasure to have you as the guest of Weekly Scrap number 221. Welcome, my brother, Josh Chase. Man, I'm pumped. I'm stoked. Uh, you don't even, I got goosebumps. I'm so excited. Like, let's fucking go. I'm excited, man. I love it, brother, man. I, yeah. I, I did, we did. I did have to delay it one time and, yeah. and just, just through scheduling and all that stuff and the way the internet works and life. But uh, is there anything I missed? Anything you want to add to the uh, introduction? No, man. I sounded really cool in the bio. I don't think I'm that cool. People always ask for a bio and I'm like, oh, man, like, no. you want me to write about myself? No, I, then, I get that. I get it. Yeah, and then send it to you, and then I see pictures of myself, and I'm like, whatever. I'm just a normal guy, but uh, uh, it's cool, man. You know, whatever. Big deal. I, I will agree to disagree and say you're just a normal guy because what I just read. But again, we'll have yeah. we'll have time to talk about it. So I'm very. Sure. Uh, uh, without that being said, let's get to the sponsors so we can get to the scrap. The yeah. OG sponsor of the scrap, Keyhose, the original. Check them out online at keyhose.com and follow them on Facebook. Affordable Drill Towers, home of the Affordable Drill Tower, the Affordable Sandpipe Prop, and introducing the all-new Affordable Bailout Prop. They are firefighter-owned and operated. You can pump and roll using the Affordable Standpipe Prop. The Affordable Standpipe Prop fits through most classroom doorways for standpipe theory, and then you roll it out into the parking lot and pump with realistic flows and pressures. It comes with up to seven standpipe valves that can be upgraded to PRVs or customized to what you have in your jurisdiction. Call Steve, 844-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltowers.com. And finally, firefighter safety and accountability starts with being able to quickly find and identify individual firefighters operating on the fire ground. Identifier Safety combines the best in photoluminescent materials for durable firefighter identification solutions that can glow for up to 20 hours with no switches, no batteries, which means being able to rapidly identify firefighters by name, unit, or assignment, even under hot fire conditions. All specifically designed and tested for the rigors of the job. Be seen on scene. Identifiersafety.com. And of course, I have to say, I love Flame Decon. 
They they messaged us today and said, we've already booked our Airbnb for firemanship. We're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're a sponsor. I love Flame Decon. Tara, I love you. You know I do. And so thank you for being uh, uh, who you are. And with all that being said, we are ready to get into number 221. I'm going to read you a few things coming from the audience, and we'll get going. Yeah, uh, Brian Taylor said, another great scrap coming up. Preston Lyons, my man from Colorado, said, vigilantes checking in. Justin McGill said, ooh, there he is. Yeah, I'm Justin McGill. He's talking about you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Josh Everett said, I'm stoked for this one for sure. Alan said, here we go with four O's, and I can't even count how many exclamation points. We're already getting questions coming in. Let me pull up my Romagus notes real quick. This is on me. I should have had this done already. This is on me. I'm sorry. There we no go. No apology needed. There we go. All right. Now I've got them. I've got them set up to where it should be. All right. My man, Josh Chase. Already questions coming. Let me copy this question so I don't lose it. That's the reason. Yeah, that's that's crazy. The reason it's it's like they had them like preloaded all week and we're just throwing okay. them in the chat. If you're on it, you're on it. Okay. The vision. This is where I wanted to start. The vision of jump seat leadership. That's the first, that's where I first got exposed to you was reading jump yeah. seat leadership. Cause I read it. Yeah. Uh, it was a few years ago yeah. and, uh, man, let's start right there. It's what you're yeah. most known for. And, and yeah. obviously go, go. Yeah. Yeah. So no jump seat leadership. That is my most, uh, you know, I, I hate using the word famous, but it's my most popular book, I guess you could say. So it's, it kind of, you know, became like a, a thing of its own. I wrote a book, I didn't know if it would go anywhere. I've been writing for about 10 years and this was just kind of the next thing. It was like a hobby. So I decided I would write about um, what I went through as a firefighter before I got promoted. I got promoted and I didn't want to write about being an officer. Obviously, I'd been an officer like two weeks and I was like, that's going to look great. Me writing a leadership book on how to be an officer after being promoted for two weeks. But I'd been a fireman riding the back of the truck for 15 years and I kind of started journaling my career, like what it looked like, what I'd been through, what I'd done. And early on in journaling, I realized, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I got a book. This is a book. So I'm just going to keep developing it, see where it goes. I'd written a couple of books before and I'm all about writing. If it helps one person, it helps one person. We'll see where it goes, whatever. So gave it to really good friends with Jared Sergi, gave it yes. to him just to, just to read, you know, as a friend, like, Hey, read this. He was like, dude, you've got to get this out. And uh, I was like, yeah, we'll see. You know, maybe somebody reads it. Maybe somebody doesn't. And he said, just you you write books. Just make a cover, get it out, see what happens. I'm telling you, I've been traveling. You have a message that people need. So I took his advice. Actually, I didn't take his advice. I sat on it for a little while. I was like, what does he know? You know? And, right, uh, right. So I put it together. I gave it away for free initially, like on an ebook for like the first two weeks it was out just to make sure anybody would read it. And I got some early feedback and next thing I know, this thing turns into a monster, you know, um, which is awesome. I like, I have no, as far as great problems to have, that's awesome. Yeah. Like the support that's come in for this book. And honestly, the messages I get, and it's just other people, similar places in their career. And it's nice that what I wrote about in the book, my experiences weren't wasted, you know, because you go through stuff as a fireman, you know, as, as a guy, as a man, whatever, like, but I started to see that, okay, my experiences, good and bad, weren't wasted. And not that I thought they were, but when you see your experiences actually impacting people, man, it's a big deal for me. 
And so really the vision of jump seat leadership is just to strengthen the men and women in the back of the fire truck. Like I sat in that jump seat for 15 years before I jumped into the front seat. Now, but I wasn't just sitting there. Like I had to eventually get to the point where I looked around at the men and women around me and realized somebody's got to lead this crew, you know, and didn't always do it right. My timing wasn't always the greatest. Anybody that knows me know, knows I love to open my mouth and my timing is very ill-timed. Um, you know, 41 years yeah. old, still working on that. And I'm hoping to be 70, honestly, than just saying what I want to say at that point. Right. You know, but yeah, man, it's really just to strengthen the men and women in the back and just let them know, hey, listen, you may ride that back seat for 15, 20, 30 years and never sit in that front right seat. But it doesn't mean you can't lead that crew. It doesn't mean you can't lead. I mean, I've worked for officers and I, I have I've had some great officers. So and I always try and, you know, drive this point home. I have nothing against people sitting in that front right seat. I have pe- things against people that are, that are in the positions of leadership that have made a choice not to lead. Right. So now you're responsible to lead. You're not doing it. So the guys in the back, when they see that, the women in the back, when they see that, they have to step up and lead the crew. Somebody's got to do it. And that's really what jump seat leadership is all about. Just step up, lead your crew, no matter what. If you do have a good officer that's leading, good for you. Step up and team up with them and actually lead the crew together. I mean, informal leadership, the way I was brought up in the military, the way I was brought up in the fire service, you had a go-to guy or a senior guy and... I started to look around a lot of the times in my career and I'd look around and see, oh, I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that the captain's coming to. I'm the guy that the lieutenant's coming to. So I'm the guy. Okay, so what do I do? Now, I guess I got to set the example. And I have that relationship with the officer. And I had got a good officers and bad officers. Um, but the whole thing is all about, I don't care where you're at. Do your job. Step up. Lead. Stop making excuses. And I think that was the biggest thing for me was I had to stop making excuses. Now, I made plenty of excuses and I had some senior firemen pull me around, you know, pull me in some 1960s fire stations, laundry rooms and, you know, finger in my chest. And, hey, you're making a ton of excuses and you have a lot of potential. So thank God for that. But, man, it's it's really honestly, if I had to sum it all up, it's just lead where you're at and do your job. That's jump seat leadership. I love it, brother. I absolutely love it. And there's a reason why it resonates with people, yeah. you know, and the reason why it when people discovered it. Uh, they started saying, you have to read this. You have to read this. And that's yeah, how I heard crazy. about it. That's how I heard it. So 100%. Uh, audience, please get your questions in because if you have a question for Josh or myself or just in general on topic or in the vicinity of the topic, throw it at us because that's yeah, what we're here please. for. Yeah. Uh, the first one, are you ready for your first question? Let's from the do audience? it, man. Yeah, I'm in. This one comes from Chad Hackett, and he says, as a senior firefighter, how can you motivate a younger, newly promoted engineer in the important parts of the job while they are more into hanging out and who's who of the job? Jump seat leadership kind of things. Yeah. So, man, so the fire department can be like a popularity contest, which really sucks sometimes. Like you can be really shitty at your job, but as long as you're socially accepted, like you're cool and it's cool. And there's a lot of people that are cool with it. Like I'm not cool with it. I think we need some balance. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. Now, I will say the key to really motivating anybody as an individual, if you're talking about a specific individual, you've got to get to know that individual and develop some kind of relationship with that person nice. because you got to know what makes them tick. I mean, you can't, I can't motivate somebody I don't know. 
I mean, I can eventually just going to go away because motivation is a feeling. So then you, you get into discipline and all the other things. But if I, I have to get to know the person. I mean, because that's the first thing I do when I see somebody that is maybe not not motivated about the job or is more into, like he said, hanging out right. than anything else. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Like, you got one aspect of the job down. Cool. We got camaraderie down. But if you suck at your job and you suck at, you know, doing what you should be doing, we got to find some balance. So I think sometimes, or especially early on in my career, man, if you were not all into the job, I was not going to talk to you, you know, and that I had an unhealthy balance. Like I wouldn't talk to you. Uh, I don't want to see you. If you were not me, we were not friends. And that was not a good mentality to have. Right? No, I love uh, it. I love it. I've I love definitely the, I love the honesty and the authenticity. Yeah, yeah. Look, I was, you know, we would get on fires and I was like, that dude's a dirtbag. You know, and uh, now I'm not going to say I still don't struggle with these thoughts and suppress them and deal with them and process them. But I've matured a little bit to know that, hey, I have got to at least act like I like this person, you know, for the sake of I want to motivate him, but I don't want to have a relationship with him. Right. And I think right. a lot of the times we want people to listen to us, but people don't listen to people they don't trust. So if you don't trust somebody and this person doesn't have a relationship with you, motivation is garbage. It's not going to happen. So you got to start thinking about like, how do I get to this person? What makes them tick? And honestly, some people, you're not going to be able to help them. And I think there are some people in the fire department, just like in life, you kind of got to take your hands off and let them go. Um, Now, I would say, you know, I'm a big guy when it comes to like, don't quit. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. But you got to develop some kind of relationship with these people, man. Like, you know, David Goggins, he's cool. Like his videos are motivating, but I mean, that's about it. I don't have a relationship with David Goggins. Right. Like I watch his videos and I'm like, the videos are motivating, but I'm not like, I go around like, man, David Goggins is motivating me through my day. Now I can imagine if I was friends with David Goggins and he knew what made me tick, man, I'd probably be a freaking monster, you know, but (laughs) I'm, I'm not. I don't know him. If he's listening, then get, shoot, hit me up. We can we can talk. But we can be friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. And someone asked a question one time, and it was a great question. I loved it because they said, you know, they understand that leadership is about forming relationships. They said that. Yeah. You know, saying they said, but but the guys at my station, I don't want to be friends with. Like I wouldn't right. be friends with them. And and that was a that was an epiphany to me because I was like, wait a second. You you need a relationship to be a leader, but you don't have to be friends. And there's a difference. Yeah. Well, man, there's a big difference. I'm glad you said that. Like, there's so I, I got a crew of about 12 guys right now, and everybody's just different. You know, right. like everybody's different. Everybody's personalities are different. We all wear the same uniform. But example, when I was in the military, nobody knew what anybody looked like outside the military. We were all getting yelled at and screamed at together. Same uniforms. The first weekend, we had a weekend pass together. And we all showed up in civilian clothes and we looked at each other. We were like, dude, we would never hang out right. if, we, if we were not in the military. Like, this dude's dressed like a punk rocker. This dude's dressed like a gangster. This dude looks like a bum. Doesn't even look like he ever owned clothes. We don't even know where he got these clothes from. You know, <laughs> And like, it's, it's similar in the fire department where we all wear the same uniform. But it's like you said, a relationship. Man, I don't have, we're not going to be best friends. You know, There's people that I'll sit down and we can break bread and hang out having a glass of whiskey with a guy around a bonfire that might never happen you know uh no no i'm feeling that, that that's very different you know we're gonna sit around a bonfire and talk and you know whiskey starts flowing stuff starts coming out we're gonna have a real conversation 
You know, I don't, not everybody gets the invite and uh, I think that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the station life, like you said, leadership, you got to develop some kind of relationship. You have to. No, no. I love it, brother. I love, I love, I love the perspective. Yeah. Uh, tons of questions already. They're stacking up. So I'm just going to throw them at you. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Preston Lyons coming at you. Josh, have you learned more from good leadership or bad leadership? Oh man, this is like, <laughs> this is one of those questions I don't like to answer. But I'm gonna answer it. Um, I would say so I've I would say I've learned equally from both, but bad leadership probably motivates me more. Mm. Um when I see poor leadership and especially when I see the potential in somebody and they're making the decision not to lead, bad leadership has definitely motivated me uh to really embrace who I feel like I'm called to be more than anything else. So I don't know that I've learned more from bad leadership. I would say, obviously, I think we learn what not to do. Um, and then I've had to look at, is that wrong or was that just not how I would handle it? Right. So Because it is different. Sometimes, no, no. you know, I look at people and I'm like, man, that is a terrible decision, but it's also not wrong. And it got the same outcome if I would have been making, I would have done it different. Right. So sometimes I do want people to be me, but I don't think, um, I would say the bad leadership probably motivates me more than good leadership. When I see good leadership, you know, it's kind of like almost like a smooth sailing for me. Like, Hey, how can I help you? Everything's kind of going smooth. What do you need me to do? Where can I fit in? Uh, I'm not threatened by it. If anything, that, that motivates me, but nowhere near as bad leadership. When I see, you know, bad leadership to me is because they're leading, they're still leading. It's just poor. Um, it's somebody walking, there's a cliff with no river or lake beneath it. It's jagged rocks and there's people behind them. Right. So I think that's why it motivates me so much because I'm like, Hey, is any, anybody going to save these freaking people over here? We're just going to walk off the cliff with this idiot. Dude, I um, love the answer. I absolutely yeah, love the answer. I, I hate, I can't bad leadership drives me crazy because you are influencing. It's just in the wrong direction. No, no. Um, yeah. So no, no, good. No. And, and the thing that I love about it was a, I going back to the beginning of it, the humility to say, uh, that's not the way I would have done it, but yeah. you got a good result. That takes humility to be able to say that. Cause there's so many people that said, I would have done it that way. You did it wrong, you know, yeah. and that's not wrong. It's just not the way you would have done it. Yeah. And I've had conversations with, you know, my superiors and I've just told them like, Hey, look, I'm growing as a leader and I am not you. That is my problem. My main problem. And I think any strong leader out there will tell you, um, like if nobody's in this room right now and I'm talking to myself, man, I have the best ideas in the world. Like, and you can't I have the best ideas in the world and, and there's nobody here to challenge me. So they're awesome. They're amazing. Right. And they're all going to work, you know? And then the right. minute people start asking questions or challenging them, they're not doing it the way I would do it. Then my pride comes in. Then my ego comes in and I got to check those things, you know? So my biggest thing as a growing leader is, is it going to have the same outcome? Like you said, probably would it be the way that I would do it? Uh, hell no. Absolutely not. I would have never done it that way. And I can still think it's stupid. I'm entitled to my opinion. Right. But it does but it doesn't mean mean it's wrong. I mean, I look at people all the time and I'm like, man, that was that was dumb. But it got the same result as if I it, it was a good result. Now, could he have done it three times that way and get a good result? I don't know. Right. I right. guess we'll see. But no, and that's that that's that humility playing in. I love it, man. I love the answer. I really do. Uh Robert Wynn coming at you from California. Josh, what is your greatest personal life lesson or experience that has helped you in the fire service to have a higher standard? Oh man. 
Look, honestly, uh, the military ruined me in such a good way. And um, I think uh, I think my wife will even tell you, like, I'm probably harder on myself than anybody else out there. You know, I don't think it's so much. I have my own standard. Right. And it's not the fire department standard. Uh, it's not the military standard. The military taught me a lot, taught me a lot of motivation, discipline, stuff like that. Life has taught me a lot. Um, but I mean, honestly, I think I have my own standard when it comes to the fire service. I don't have, I have core values that the fire department tells me I have to memorize. I had core values. The military told me I had to memorize. I memorized them. They're cool. Uh, I memorized my core values in the fire department. They're pretty awesome, but I have my own standard that I live by. Um, you know, so I think as far as standards and values in the fire service and for me, it's about who I am as a man, not who I am as a fireman. Now, mm-hmm. I think my core values as a man and who I am outside the fire service, that makes me a stronger firefighter. That makes me a stronger officer. That makes me, a, you know, a, a better coworker. But um, as far as the fire service goes, things that I've been through, I mean, I will say I've worked with some pretty solid crews over the years. Uh, the initial crew that I, that I worked with where I learned to be a fireman, that's probably where all this was developed. I had a pretty solid captain who I pretty much attribute my entire career to because he, I was, I'm a first generation fireman. I knew nothing about the fire department. I wanted to help people and I was either going to do the military or the fire department. I had the opportunity to do both. Uh, he was a solid, solid captain, uh, loved his crew, loved our families, loved his family. I mean, this guy was awesome, loved the job. And I was with some really young, like-minded individuals who were all together. Our standard was you're either in or out, you know, like I said earlier. And was that healthy as far as our, our mentality and relationship building? Uh, no, it was not healthy. Right. But it was, it was was a journey. Yeah. Right. But I mean, as far as the fire ground went, dude, I mean, it was great. We got there. We all did our jobs half the time. We didn't even have to talk. It was like we're hearing classical music as we're just in there working because we were a team. But we set this standard for ourselves. And it's honestly, it's just carried on through my career. I've always carried it with me. I compare everything to those those years and not in like, a, I wish I was there. But I'll give you an example. Okay. I'm a fire, I'm a fire officer now. If I want to walk around my shirt untucked after lunch, I can do that. Who cares? You know, I let my guys get in PT clothes after lunch and go work out. And I'm a little bit more lax. Come to line up, come to roll call, be professional, be polished throughout the day, whatever. But if my shirt's untucked after lunch and my like my old captain, he's battalion chief now, if he's coming to the station, like I've caught myself tucking my shirt in like because my old captain's coming to visit. He probably wouldn't say anything to me. He probably could care less. It's after lunchtime. We're all probably getting ready to work out or chill or, you know, grab a cup of coffee and talk for a little while. But there's that thing I have in my head of the standard that he set when I first came in the fire department. Right. And I think it does go back to kind of goes back to how you were raised. Right. And that's how I was raised. I was raised with a standard. And um, yeah, but outside of that, I mean, it's I'm pretty hard on myself. Um, My here's my standard measure. If I'm losing sleep over it, I got to deal with it or change it. And I like that. And my wife knows it. She's like, well, you losing sleep over it. And I'm like, yeah, I keep. I'm I'm just up thinking about it over and over and over. If I'm restless, losing sleep, it's because I haven't owned something and I got to deal with it. And uh, but yeah, man, my standards—they're mine. I don't expect anybody to adopt them. You can adopt core values in a department. You can adopt core values in a, in a military. You got to find your own core values to live by every single day. I mean, 
And however you do that, that's that's up to you. But that's way more powerful than adopting a fire department set of core values or standards anyway. No, I love it. And I hope you don't mind this question next because it, it's it's a segue right from the yeah. audience to that, which Jake Deal wants to know, what are your core values? Oh, man. So I'll be honest, like I'm a faith guy. Like I grew up, I grew up a faith guy. I was a pastor's kid, which is 99% of the reason I'm as fucked up as I am. But I am like, I'm a faith guy. I wouldn't say I'm super religious. Uh, I have a relationship with God. Um, take my family to church on Sundays. But I probably don't fit the stereotype that most people would think. Um, so my core values go back to really how I was raised um, in the faith community. But that's a journey for me, too. Right. Like I've been to a million churches that say you got to do it this way. I've been accepted in groups that have nothing to do with church and felt way more love there than I have in a church. So I'm on this journey, um, this faith journey, if you will. So. I'm a faith guy. Uh, my, if I had to go with like a a set of core values based off of my faith, I would say vision, mission, uh, vision, mission, uh, focus, passion, and purpose. Those are the five things that I really, I really focus on. That those kind of guide my life. Um, now it's all based off uh, faith, and I say I say faith loosely because religion is a mess. And I'm sure. like I said, I'm not super religious, but um, yeah, but you are a very I mean, spiritual I, person, obviously. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say Absolutely. I'm a spiritual person, but religious. If we sat and talked for thirty minutes, you'd probably be scratching your head. If you looked at my music playlist in my phone right now, it would confuse so many people. I mean, it's got Frank Sinatra, Jesus music, screaming music. Uh, it's probably some Colby Calais in there. Like <laughs> my my playlist is a mess. Like, okay, it just shows how confused my brain probably really is. But you know. No, so, I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Maybe that should be something we say. Uh, like we can we can decipher your philosophy of life by looking yeah. at your music playlist. Yeah. yeah, I'm on a journey, man. It's uh no, I'm on a journey, and uh, it's it's definitely a faith journey. And no, so that's where I really that's where I get that's my foundation, right? And then everything else outside of there, I just kind of build off of that. I love it, man. And and yeah. and uh, Jake Deal said, "Thank you for the answer." He threw up some rocker horns with it. And yeah. Caleb Peter said, "Totally relate to your answer." So yeah. it's resonating. It's <laughs> I, I think, awesome. especially the music, the music part of it, absolutely resonates with people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, I have running music. I have instrumental classical music on here that I you know study too. Right. And then, man, it's I'm, man, I'm all over the place in my playlist. Like, I almost <laughs> like don't want to give it to people. I'm like, don't look at this. I don't want to show this you. What's mine. On this here. is very personal. Yeah, right. Michael yeah. Ramirez says, sounds like my kind of playlist. Yeah. yeah, you got everything from like Lo-Fi Girl all the way down to like screaming at the at the top of your lungs. So yeah, I'm sure there's some Britney Spears on there too. I'm not gonna. And lie. Michael Ramirez said, accept the Swifties. Hey. Yeah, I mean, pick, look, you can't pick I've, on the Swifties. I've never been to a Taylor Swift show but I've never heard anybody complain about a Taylor Swift show. I've so. only heard great things about Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's Swift what I'm saying. Yeah. I've you know? never heard anything bad, even from no. haters. So Look, anyway. I mean, she's she's doing something right. It is what it is. If you if you measure it by influence, there's no doubt. Uh, yeah. Dan Bender said, playlists tell all our secrets. And that's yes. absolutely uh, Oh, man. He, he hit the nail on the head. That's the truth. Uh, yeah, it really is. That, that might be something we have to uncover in future podcasts. Yeah. Timothy James Ramsey Dickinson. That is a long Facebook name, but <laughs> yes, uh, it is. you do you think it's key to have formal leadership training in house, like an L two eighty slash three eighty class? 
Yeah, I don't hands know if that's a military thing or no. Uh, like, I don't even care what the title is. I know what he's saying. Like, okay. yeah, absolutely. You got to have some kind of formal training, and that is one thing. And I'll be honest, that's one thing that really motivated me to continue to write this book, get the message out there. And once I realized it was resonating, I was like, I'm going to run with this right now as it stands. Our my department does have does have any formal leadership training whatsoever in my department. Um, we had something that kind of we were trying or we said we were trying and it was kind of a check the box and it was garbage. I mean, it was literally trash. You could have sat at home and read a leadership book and not wasted your time. And they did waste people's time. They told us you had to go to do this. If you wanted to be promoted, you had to take these awesome classes that nobody cared about. Um, And when I say nobody cared about the instructors, didn't want to teach them. So you can imagine it was supposed to be a four hour class. The instructors would show up and say, what time you guys want to get out of here? Right. They're like, you know? I've never seen this uh, this PowerPoint before. So yeah. I'm just going to read it to you. Exactly. Right. So so you want me to sit here and listen to something you don't care about. It's supposed to be a four-hour class. I took time away from my family. I already worked shift work. I'm here because I have to be because I want to get promoted someday. You shortened the class by three hours, and you gave me garbage information the whole time. Like, yes, you have to have some kind of formal training in your department, I think, your chief officers or your, your whatever, your officer core, your executive leadership or administrative staff, if they care about your department at all, they will offer some type of training. Now, maybe maybe they can't do the training from the inside. Maybe they don't know. There are too many resources out there right now to, to be making these excuses. I mean, there's way too many resources. There are people that travel. They'll right. come in. They'll speak. They'll do your formal leadership training. They will do it online. They'll do it on Zoom. They'll They'll donate books. It is out of control, the resources that we have and the departments that do not have formal training or are not working towards it. I would challenge whether they care about the leadership in their department, you know, formal and informal. Um, You can't you can tell me you care all day. You got to show me. You got to show me. I I mean, you tell me if I tell my wife I care and I never do anything for her, she's going to stop believing me and eventually it's going to go quiet. And I think that's what a lot of firemen are doing these days when it pertains to leadership is I got to go outside my department, which thank God there's the resources because I think you do have responsibility and account personal accountability. But the fact that we all work for departments that are capable and not doing it, man, that's a huge problem. And there's no excuse. I mean, the budgets, you, you can get somebody that comes in for five grand a day or you can get somebody that comes in for five hundred dollars a day right. there are people out there that will do this yeah um you know which is like jump seat leadership just start next thing i know jared was like you should create a class i was like well who's gonna who's gonna take a class like this is the next thing i know people were like hey can you come teach my guys your class but it's it's not just me i'm a normal guy there are people all over the country that do this stuff yeah so yes you've got to have some kind of formal leadership training the fact that my department does not have it yet bothers me. I'll be honest. Jared Sergi is now uh, captain of the training division. So I can guarantee you within the next two to five years, we will have it because I know it's in his plan to get it rolling. And thank God. It's like, you know, we talk all the time. This he's, it's literally like I have uh, a part of me in the training division right now. I know your heart, and, your heart uh, is sitting there yeah. beating. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I know what's coming. I'm I like, love this, Jared. Is, this is awesome. I'm like, he is he is an engine guy through and through. But the fact that he's in the training division right now, man, it is such a benefit for our department because we're going to get some of that formal training that we've been missing. And he's going to leave his mark, man, and I can't wait. We both grew up together in the fire service, so I know exactly what it's going to look like. 
I know what to expect. I'll probably hate some of it and love some of it all at the same time. But uh, I always say I love Jared, but I don't want to work for him. You know, but uh, you, know, <laughs> you don't want to work for friends. I will say this just as a plug, the December 11th, uh, two weeks from now, roughly, Jared's going to be on back on the scrap because he's one. Of yes. He's yes. returning. He I love is it. returning. That's awesome. But, no, yeah. it is. It's going to be good. So I had to put the plug in there. 100%. Hey, here's the deal. This is the way the scrap always goes. We had, I had like 15 topics that you sent me that we talked about that we're going to discuss. We've made it to one so far. I I still have tons of audience questions. So work in your points as we go, and I'm going to keep throwing them at you. Yeah, yeah. John Spear, one of my favorite people on this planet, has a question for you. Yes. What has been your greatest leadership failure, and what has been your greatest leadership win? Oh, John, with the real questions. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm going to have to get personal with this one. Okay. So my greatest leadership failure and greatest leadership win. So I love leadership. I don't I don't think that's a secret. I wrote a book called Jump Seat Leadership. If you look at any of my books, they are all about leadership. Um, but I 110% believe that leadership starts at home. And for me, it starts with self-leadership and it starts in the house. Uh, I don't think I can be an effective leader if I haven't learned to lead myself, lead my marriage and lead my family. That's me. You know, there may be people out there that disagree and that's fine. Um, I'm going to disagree with you because look around. I'm I mean, saying if, if they disagree with you, I'm saying they're wrong, but yeah, <laughs> me like, and your opinion for what it's worth. Right. You could disagree, but it is what it is. I mean, right. I know a lot of people that are leading their fire crew, but their wife and kids are a mess. I mean, and I'm not judging anybody. Uh, I've been through my share of stuff and I'm getting ready to share some of it with you. So my greatest leadership failure, like I said, you got to learn to lead yourself. You got to learn to lead your family. Uh, Back in 2012, I was a mess. I mean, I was a complete mess. Um, Vision, mission, goals, purpose, passion, focus, none of that. That's none of it. I returned from the war uh, in Iraq in 2007, really never got any help. Uh, back then we weren't calling it PTSD. We were just sending soldiers home. Hey, you're going home. This is great. Go see your wife and kids. You'll we'll see what happens. Well, uh, didn't connect at all with my wife, had a really hard time, like struggling with my family, jumped in the fire department. That's what was familiar. So I poured myself into the fire department, the camaraderie, the call volume, the chaos. I just returned from war where I was comfortable. Now I'm comfortable in chaos on the streets in Norfolk. I was like, man, I'm pouring myself into this. It's too hard to connect with my wife and my kids. So mm-hmm. I and I didn't get any help. That was the big thing was no help. So we talk about self-leadership. I wasn't leading myself anywhere. I was a mess. I was walking around completely lost. Well, if I'm walking around completely lost, then there's a good chance my wife is probably walking around completely lost. Not because she's incapable uh, of leadership. It's sure. just it's my job to lead my family. So it's my job to take them into their purpose, into their calling. And same thing with my kids. Thank God they were young. Uh, when a lot of this happened. But my biggest leadership failure was 2012. Uh, I got caught up in an affair with another woman. And I had had an affair with another woman before that because I was not connecting with my wife. I started hanging out with single guys in the fire department um, that could go out and do the party guy things. I was not single. I was married with three kids at the time. So my inability to connect, my inability to adapt, my uh, pride and my ego, all that stuff got a hold of me. And for the lack of better terms, I, I chose the path of a coward and walked out on my wife and walked out of my kids in 2012. And honestly, I didn't plan on returning. I was like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm a mess. Uh, I'm going to divorce my wife. I'm going to hang out with this other chick. Probably not going to end up with her either. 
but I'll just see what happens in my life. And that you talk about leadership failure, you know, walking out on my wife, walking out on my kids. And I, this is, this is me, right? There are probably guys listening to this been like, well, I, you know, I'm going through something similar. That's your journey. And I'm not talking bad about you. This is what I, this is what I did and what I went through. So about six months of me not being at home, not being a good dad, being a shitbag husband. I was a great fireman, dude. I mean, I was an awesome fireman. And I don't mean like, hey, look at me. I was just good at my job. Right. You know, I poured everything into my job. I was like, well, I got to be good at something. Right. And for me, it was like, if I can just be a good fireman, uh, it'll make up for me being a shitty husband and a shitty dad. You know, so that's kind of how I thought. And but I dude, I was good. I was a really good fireman. I was riding the box. I was patching up gunshot wounds, stabbings, fixing sick people, running to burning buildings. You know, the normal shit we do on the job. I was dude, I was awesome at it. And I don't say I was awesome at it like, hey, look at me. There were other people like, hey, we can count on you. You're dependable. But dude, my home life was falling apart. I was living on my best friend's couch because uh, I had nowhere to go. And then I moved in with the girl I was having an affair with. So that was a fucking mess. I mean, I was married not working out my marriage now i had a girlfriend like so now what do i got like a, a wife and a kind of wife can't work it out with one woman now i'm with another woman uh not seeing my kids that summer greatest leadership failure man i was literally failing um after about six months of going back and forth and just realizing that this isn't going to work i mean one day a light bulb clicked and like i said i'm a faith guy and i really think that day for me god was like what the hell are you doing Right. Like, what is going on? And uh, I realized in that moment, like, I've, I've never heard the voice of God, like, audibly. But, I mean, we've all heard, like, that voice that says, hey, stop, don't do this. You know, you can right. call it whatever you want. For me, I'm a faith guy. It's God. So I was like, man, TM, I've never really fought for my family. I've never fought for my marriage. I've never led my wife. I've never actually sat down and actually got help for my issues and figured out what it looked like to actually move forward. So at that moment, I realized... Like I am failing leadership failure. That is definitely my biggest leadership failure, but that also led to my biggest like leadership success. So the first thing I had to do was I had to go home and tell my wife, Hey, I want to come back. I've never done it right. I never put in the effort. You know, I didn't have help. I should have gotten help. I want to make this work. I had to break up with my girlfriend, which is like so fucked up, right? Like I'm like, Oh, I got to break up with my girlfriend to go home and talk. I was like, what am I doing? How did I even get here? Right. So I go home, tell my wife I want to come back home. She's like, uh, no, I have a boyfriend. I'm in love. I'm like, man, I am literally in the, I'm in the show. Rescue me. I am Tommy Gavin and I loved the show, but I did not want to live that life. You know, it just was not the life I wanted to live. So man, you talk about leadership failure. I realized I'd really failed. And in order to move forward and make this a success was I had to own everything that I did, which I did. I owned it all. Uh, I sat down and I spilled every, I spilled my guts. I was like, this is who I've been with. This is when it happened. This is how I've been feeling, man. I literally, I was living a double life, dude. She had no idea any of this stuff was going on. She caught me one time and that's when I was a coward and I moved out. So she thought there was one thing that happened, man. I spilled a whole bunch of stuff in her lap. You got to come clean. Like you got to be honest at leadership to me, it's about ownership. And if you're not going to own your shit, then don't call yourself a leader. So my biggest leadership success was owning where I was at just as a man in general. And then, you know, that was not easy. I can, I'm not going to, honestly, I think I got sick to my stomach when I realized I had to tell my wife everything I'd been through, but I also wanted my marriage to work. 
Right. And, you know, so I was like, I, I'm not going to be credible if I share half the truth and this works. And five years later, something else comes out. So spilled all of it. That took about three, four months of me consistently pursuing my wife, pursuing my faith, pursuing my kids, being the husband that she deserved, being the dad that my kids deserved. Um, slept on my mom's pleather couch for like three, three months. That sucked. And one night, uh, she was letting me come by and like be a dad, right? She was still like, hey, you need to see the kids. I don't know if we're going to work out. And I started to see like, hey, maybe we would work out. Right. Uh, the moment I thought, okay, this might actually go somewhere. I was downtown on Engine One, and we always do a parade downtown for Christmas. And we get to invite the families out. I invited her to come out to the parade. We weren't we weren't living together. And she brought my kids. She came to the parade. We got to ride on the fire truck together waved to everybody and i was like would she really be here on this truck with me with my kids if this isn't gonna work like like this has got to be working um you know on that sunday night the next night i was home watching the kids after a church service and i went to leave and go to my mom's house and she was like you don't have to leave you can stay uh you know, everything everything you've shown me the last three or four months you've shown me you're serious and you know what we're gonna we're, we're gonna make this work so biggest leadership success, um, you know, long story short, was getting getting my family back, honestly, and learning what being a real man was like, not choosing the coward's way. And actually, I committed, I committed to love this woman. And I would say that any fireman out there that got married, you made a commitment. And when you made that commitment, you weren't thinking, I can't wait to divorce this person. You know, I would challenge that nobody gets married to get divorced. Right. That does happen. Can't you know, wait for happens. the first divorce so I can get right. Yeah, it happens and it's it's sad. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it happens and you can look and you're like, oh, maybe that was for the better. I don't right. know. But but I don't think anybody gets married thinking that's never the care. intent. Yeah, never the intent. You something happened at some point with some party and and you couldn't come together and make it work. I got lucky. I think it takes two parties. Ashley wanted to make it work. We made it work. And let me tell you why that was the biggest leadership success or win. The next three years was the best three years I think we'd ever had in our marriage. It was awesome. It was freaking awesome. I mean, I was like, I didn't even know a marriage could be like this. Um, it was great because I decided to take ownership and lead my family the way that I was supposed to. Now, in 2015, three years after I got my family back, she randomly passed away due to a seizure. No medical history. I just got a phone call one day. And she was at work and they said, hey, hurry up and get here. I get there. She's in cardiac arrest at the hospital that she worked at. I had just been texting her that morning about family vacation. Now I'm looking at my best friend. The woman I walked out on came back. We made it work. We made our family work and made our marriage work. I was going to sit on a front porch, drink bourbon with this woman and just watch my grandkids play. And now she's on a hospital bed and... The doctor's looking at me saying, hey, Mr. Chase, we've been doing CPR for 45 minutes. Who do, nobody does CPR for 45 minutes. Right. You know, so she passes away that day, completely unexpected. I don't even have time to get into the grief and the everything that I went through after that. But I can't imagine what that would have looked like and what my family would have looked like if I hadn't made the decision to actually own my family, look at my leadership failure but then realize, wait a minute, I can make this work. For me, it took God to help me to make it work, but I made it work. Then she passed away, and I didn't plan on being a single dad, raising three kids by myself, but I, I was doing it. 
And my kids got to see before their mom passed away, before my wife passed away, hey, my dad owned everything. He came back. Him and mom worked it out. Everything was out in the open. They had a great marriage. This is what a great marriage looks like. So talk about biggest leadership failure and biggest leadership success. Uh, man, that one, that one's personal for me. That's, that's not fire department at all. Um, I've had some cool fire department experiences, but for me, I mean, the biggest thing was owning the stuff with my family and I can't even begin to think about what if I never went back and I was gone and then she had passed away and I'm estranged from my kids and now I got to come back in the house and raise them. I mean, dude, it'll be a fucking mess. Right. Um, but Thankfully, um, I don't know if John knew that's where I was going to go with that, but I have a feeling because John is a really good question asker. Yeah, he's a pro. pro. Yeah, he's a pro at it. But that is definitely my biggest leadership failure and success is uh, being a coward, honestly, and walking out of my family, but then choosing the path of courage and saying, you know what, I'm an idiot and I got to make this work. And you know what? It could have not worked. It 100% could have not worked. Not everybody gets my story, but... I was I was not going to look at myself in the mirror, 65, 70, 80 years old and say I didn't fight for my wife and kids. And I hadn't done that yet. So at least if it didn't work, I could say I fought. And I think I think that's the biggest thing is like you got to fight whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a marriage problem. It can be anything, but you have to fight. And a lot of us were complaining, but you haven't even begun the fight yet. You're complaining. My favorite thing is when people tell me they're struggling. But if you look at the definition of the word struggle, the actual definition, if you Googled it right now, it would say a violent attempt to be free of something. That's Mm. a struggle. So when you tell me you're struggling, it really doesn't look like a struggle. Like I know what a violent attempt to be free of something looks like. Like I do martial arts. I do jujitsu. I've seen some pictures. You you get on the mats. You know, when you're when there's a violent attempt to be free of because you're about to be choked out. Oh, yeah, that is a that is a struggle. So when people tell me hey, they're struggling, I'm like, bro, you're not struggling. You've been sitting on the couch for a week. Like, you're not doing shit. You're not struggling. So I don't even know how I got off on that. But it just drives me crazy when people tell me they're struggling. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm a words guy. Don't tell me you're struggling. I love it, dude. Hey, here's yeah. the deal. Here's my problem is I like, like uh, not, not even a problem. So as, that's, again, words. That's the right. wrong word. It's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you because the flow was so beautiful. And the message, I hope every every firefighter out there that wants to have a strong marriage, that wants to have a strong relationship, that wants to be a badass firefighter, listens to what you just said. Yeah. Uh, because this job will absolutely let you think that you're doing just fine by being good at this job when yeah. you are letting everything else slide. And yeah. it will replace I, it. 100%, man. I, I got to be careful with that now. Like, I'm remarried to an awesome woman. Uh, I've been remarried for six going on seven years now. But it's the same stuff. I'm married again, right? So I got to make sure my marriage is the priority. It's too easy for me. The fire department's easy at this point. You know, I love it. I freak. I love it. I don't care what anybody says. We've got a lot of problems, whatever. I still love it. I love going to work. I love camaraderie. I love the guys. I love when we do get to go into burning buildings. Yes, there is stuff that irritates me. Yes, there's stuff I, I wish I wasn't dealing with. No, I don't like mandatory overtime. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff I like right. and don't like. Right. You know, but... I still have to be careful because it's really easy. It's a frat house sometimes for me, you know, like it's, it's, it's just, the greatest yeah. job on earth, dude. I don't it's care what so anybody says. Yes. No, like, you know, some days I'm like, I'm running a daycare. Like I look <laughs> around the guys that I work with. I'm like, I'm running a daycare. There's and, lunch time. You know, there's nap time. There's workout dude, time and there's laughter, but it's awesome. You know, yes. so I got to be careful, you know, then I come home 
and maybe we got in an argument and then I had to work 24 hours. I'm like, so what? I got to work this shit out. Um, this is the priority because honestly, I'm going to retire at some point. And the fire department, I love the fire department, but it is not who I am. Right. It is not who I am. I could walk away from the fire department tomorrow and it would suck because it is a part of who I am. But it is 100% not my identity. It's and not, I, think, I love that, brother. No, I hope, we, I hope a lot of people take this away from this podcast. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to throw this at you because you wrote yeah. a new book based on what you just said, right? Like, like the story you just told. Yeah, you have engaged the enemy, and that, yeah. is, your, that is your latest book. And I have, I have a, a ton of the reason I'm bringing it up is I have a ton of questions still. Sure, but I wanted you to say that engage the enemy is is this story? Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. So, engage the enemy is a real, authentic. Uh, it's me talking to you. If we had to sit down and grab a, you know, a cup of coffee, a beer, a glass of whiskey, it's me talking to you, telling you, "Hey, look, this is what I've been through. This is a real fight. Life is a war, whether you like it or not. I don't need you to agree with me because you felt it. And there is a battle for good and evil. I, we don't have to agree to disagree. It's happening. I don't like. I've stopped arguing with people about it because I was wasting my time. Everybody feels the struggle. They just don't know what it is. And I'm telling you right now, you are involved in the fight and there is a fight for your purpose. There is a fight for your calling. And that's what this book is all about. And you have to engage. Back then, I just told you guys that quick story. I had to make a decision. I had to engage. There is a real force trying to take you out, whether you think there is or not. And the best thing he's ever done is convince people that he doesn't exist and everything's God's fault. Keep believing that shit. You will take your family down with you and you will never discover who you are as a man. It is what it is. It's that simple. And that's what the book's all about. It's about the six principles that I use personally that anybody can use to actually discover their purpose and actually fight for it. I mean, the whole book, it's just me talking to you. It's real authentic. Uh, I gave it to a couple of firemen before it went out. Like there is some faith stuff in it. It's not faith based, but I can't, I can't deny that faith played a part in where I'm at in my life. Can't deny it. Uh, you know, maybe it looks different for everybody else. You could choose a different path, but I would challenge you to pick up the book and get some perspective. If you've nothing has worked and you don't know where you're at in life and you've been to counselors and you don't understand that life is a war and there's a battle for good and evil. I'll, I'll give you an example. Once you start uncovering this thing, you're going to start. You'll start to see the struggle. Things will start to be revealed to you. It's not that hard. I mean, simple truth in the book, right? One of the principles is truth. That's one of the things I talk about. And a lot of us, we don't even want to be honest with ourselves. We don't want to be honest with ourselves. We don't want to be not just in our marriage, but in life and career as a dad, you know, as a wife, whoever is listening, we have so much trouble being honest with ourselves. But truth is one of the biggest principles in the book. You've got to be honest with yourself and where you're at. If you want to move forward, then you have to be honest with the people that are around you. But now engage the enemy, fight for your purpose. I've been writing for 10 years. I wrote jump seat leadership. I'm, I'm so stoked on where it's going and what it's become. But I'm telling you, this is the book. If you're a guy and you're struggling with purpose, or if you're a guy and you're like, I know what my purpose is, pick this up and give it to somebody else. There are men struggling with purpose everywhere. And there are men identifying with the fire department and they think that's it. What happens when they leave? Right. Who are they? When you get hurt, injured, you can't do the job anymore, you're going to be in a room depressed because you never discovered your purpose and who you are. Right. Like. I mean, it, it is what it is, but now, no, you th sent me a copy. I haven't read it yet. You sent me yeah. a copy, so I can't say it, but I will say this. Josh Everett and Michael Ramirez, both of them are vigilantes. Josh Everett said, great damn book. Michael Ramirez said, finish that book in one night, and I'm still trying to be a reader. 
So that tells you right there, man, it's yeah. hard to put down. And I've heard that over and over and over about it from men who are looking for that purpose. Yeah. And it's, it's for men. I write to men. Uh, if you're a woman and you read it, you would definitely be encouraged, but my audience is men. I feel like I'm called to strengthen and encourage and empower men to live a life of purpose. Look around the world, like 98.9% of our problems come from men, but 98.9% of our solutions also come from men. I'm not discounting the great women we have in this world. I'm married to one of them. You know, they do a lot of great things, but I'm telling you right now, I'm my message is to men and there are people out there speaking to women. I'm, I'm not that guy. My message is for men to embrace who they are, find out who you are, find your real identity and let's move forward. Let's get this thing done together. I mean, it is, it's a simple bare bones, uh, punch you in the face kind of book. Uh, if you're offended, don't read it, you know, but I don't think the vigilantes will get offended. So, right on. okay. <laughs> Greg, I, I have I want to throw some more at you because some of these yeah. questions are just too good to not get to. Let's do it. Uh, Greg Van Ham says, how did you feel about being promoted to the company officer? How did you make the transition from back seat to the right seat? Oh, geez. So I actually wrote a book called Front Seat Leadership, and it's all about my transition. But uh, no, so I'll honestly, for me, I was finally ready. I really honestly enjoyed riding the back seat. I really did. Uh, I considered not getting promoted because I enjoyed sitting in the back. Riding backwards, dude, you could do that for 25, 30 years, and that's what you want to do. Do it. It's awesome. Um, I got to the point where a lot of my friends that I came in the fire department with, a lot of that crew that I originally uh, worked with, they were getting promoted to lieutenant, captain. Some of them had made battalion chief, and I was still kicking it in the jump seat. Now, it would have been okay for me to stay there if I knew I was supposed to stay there forever, but I realized there was only so much I could get done sitting in the back seat in my department. Uh, and every department's different, but I realized that I would have a little bit more influence and impact if I moved up to that front right seat, because not only was I uh, going to be in a position of leadership and be responsible to lead, it was almost like that accountability factor where I had been doing it, but I could really, I'd gotten comfortable and I could shake it off if I wanted to, because it wasn't my responsibility. You know, I wasn't getting paid to do it. I would do it, but I could still do the fireman salute on scene if I wanted. Right. and. I knew it was it was time for me. Fifteen right. years, it was just time. Um, I, I would say I handled it pretty well, in the sense where I got lucky where I got stationed first. I got stationed with a captain who had thirty five years in the department. Uh, one of my good friends that's retired now, he had thirty four years in the department. Another guy had twenty six years. All the guys I was with had twenty plus years. I had fifteen years, and I was coming in there as their you know second in charge. I wasn't really, I wasn't really in charge. Right. I right. Mean, but you, <laughs> again, was that a lesson you learned from your humility or, or, or did you learn it live? I think I, I think I, I think I just knew it in the fire department. Like you, you walk in a station and you know, who's in charge and it just may not be the officer. You just got to spend a day with the guys. You can tell who's in charge and who's mm -hmm. not in charge. And when I saw the roster, I knew where I was going. Um, you know, my buddy, George old came in the fire department. Uh, you know, he's retired now, but man, so I knew two things were going to happen. Either I, me and George were going to get along and he was going to help me or George is just going to give me hell until the day he retired. And thank God we found common ground. And George was that grizzled old fireman that said everything I wanted to say, but could not say as a lieutenant. And when George left the fire department, he took a lot of the things that, uh, we can't say with him and they'll probably never come back, but it was right. nice having him around. 
Um, you know, George would traditionally tell people like, oh, man, my back hurts. I got a back problem. And George would tell them, you don't have a back problem. You have a belly problem. You probably need to lose some weight and uh, work out a little bit. And But th- just just the little things George would say. And that's a mild George statement. Sure. But, I get you. I get you. Yeah, it's mild. There, there were levels to George. That was George level one. Yeah, that was. And George would man. go to five. Oh, George would. George lived at a five or seven out of ten. Right. And, okay, uh, fair enough. Yeah if, yeah, if you were hearing a ten, you know. But I'll tell you what, George was a fireman. Like right. he was a fireman, and if you weren't a fireman, he'd treat you with respect. But he'd tell you what you know. He'd tell you what he thought too. I mean, I he'd it. walk up to people and be like, "Dude, you ain't no fireman. You're never going to be a fireman." And honestly, he wasn't wrong a lot of the time. Um, it's just not like that today. You know, I may think that, but. Now I got to do everything I can to help this person. Um, it's not popular for the officer to walk around and say, you know what? You're never going to be a fireman. Uh, not not saying I don't have those thoughts. You know, I definitely have them. And like I said, I have to deal with them. Um, and there are people that I talk to. You know, I have like-minded people that we have conversations with. But um, those are quiet conversations for other rooms. Right on. Right on, brother. Uh, I like this question. It comes from Joe Gavita. He wants to know, what do you think is the one skill or attribute for you that has carried over from the military to the fire service? Uh, Self-leadership, honestly. That's the biggest thing I learned in the military. It was you you had to have your own standard. You know, um, when I talk about informal leadership in the fire department, I don't like informal leadership is not a foreign concept. You know, leading without rank promotion, it's not foreign. I think everybody has a different message surrounding it. But in the military, everybody was encouraged to be an informal leader. Everybody's encouraged to lead. Everybody's encouraged to lead themselves and then the man below and the man above. Right. Um, So really, that's probably what carried over from the military. Uh, Self-leadership was huge. Um, I got back from my deployment 2007, jumped into fire station number two, brand new firefighter, never been on the street before. I mean, I'm back from war. We did some cool shit while I was at war, and now I'm in a firehouse, and I know nothing. So I really had to take all my military stuff and kind of keep it in my back pocket and play rookie, you know, for a while. We didn't get a rookie, right. I think for for I think I was the rookie for two years. Oh wow! You know, now I didn't. Now they will tell you like that didn't mean I didn't run my mouth and get wet or flowered, or I was always talking or saying something I probably shouldn't say. Um, but I I played the part as well as I could. But definitely self-leadership. Um, the older I get, the more le- realize I learned lessons from the military that I didn't even – I'm you so thankful. Yeah. yeah, I'm so thankful for those years because I just don't know where else I would have gotten it. And, like, I've been in the fire department almost 19 years now, and, like, I – I do not think the fire department is paramilitary and I will, and people say this all the time. Now I have no problem with the fire department. I love the fire department. I just don't think we're paramilitary because I've been in the military in the military. uh, They will take your money. They will take your rank and they will throw you in jail. If certain things are not done or said the fire department as a whole doesn't particularly work that way. Right now, maybe individual departments might work a different way, but the military as a whole works one way. And that is the way that it works. You will lose rank, you will lose money, or you will go to the brig uh, if you screw up bad enough. The fire department, you'll probably transfer stations. You know, uh, no, maybe no, you'll go no, somewhere no. slow. Yeah, you know, where where nobody talks to you anymore. Or, but we are definitely, uh, we definitely we're professional and we're a profession. But when man, it irks the shit out of me when people say we're paramilitary. But like I said, that's the Josh Chase opinion. You know, 
if you want to argue with me, you can send it to my email and I'll just delete it. You know, whatever. <laughs> there but, you go. Yeah. One more coming at you from Justin McGill. How would you approach a member not fulfilling his full potential that you know he's shown he has and you know he's capable of? Like you can see his potential, but he's not fulfilling it. Doesn't matter what seat he rides. Like, right. like what, what? what's your answer there? That's a great question. So I really yeah. like it. I want to throw it at you. Yeah. So I think honestly, so I've been through that as an individual. And I mean, I could, I will tell you how it got handled with me and I would handle it the same way. Um, so I had about 12, 13 years in the fire department and I, people exactly what Justin's talking about. Like Josh is a leader. He's been the informal leader. He's been the go-to guy. Why doesn't he take the test? You know, why doesn't he take it serious? Now I'd taken a promotional test before. I just hadn't taken it serious. Right. I was just like, yeah, I'll just take it just to take it. Like everybody yeah, just, yeah, yeah, score. Just, just see how I score, see what happens. Really right. hoping I would score well and get promoted, just not studying. And it didn't work, you know? Right. So about 12, 13 years, people were starting to ask, hey, why aren't you doing this? Like, we see the potential. All your buddies are getting promoted. Like, you'd actually do good at it. So it took somebody pulling me aside and having a hard, honest conversation with me. And I think it, it's got to be one-on-one. And I, I think it's hard to do without a relationship. Right. Um, so I had a relationship with this person, and it still did not go well because my pride and ego got in the way. When I talked about that person that pointed their finger in my chest in an old 1960s firehouse in a laundry room, this was that reason. You know, he pulled me in the back room. He's like, this is bullshit. You should be, you need to take the test. You're out here messing around. All these guys need you to lead this crew, and you're acting like one of them. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Why well, am one of them? Right. You know, like, he's like, no, you're not one of them. That's the problem. He's like, you have leadership all over your life, and you're refusing to step up and actually do it because you're scared you actually won't be good at it. I was like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Right, right. So we got in a huge argument because, you know, I'm really mature. And so we sat back there, <laughs> argued, told me to know what he was talking about. You know, he's yelling at me. Well, you don't pull people aside like that that you don't care about, you don't see potential in. So I did the mature thing, and I didn't talk to him for like 30 days. He didn't talk to me for 30 days. We're at work together, not talking to each other. We're... I think we we're the two most senior guys in the house at the time. He had 10 years more than me, but two senior guys in the house. So as you can imagine, that caused a little bit of a rift. The two senior guys aren't talking to each other at all, not saying a word. Back to earlier when I said I lose sleep over stuff, I couldn't sleep. I could not sleep. And uh, we had messed with this guy a couple of times, and he knew some people. And, you know, he, you know, he looked at us one day. He said, you keep messing with him. I'm going to have all you guys transferred. And we were like, do it. Do it. You're like, well, he did it. He made some phone calls, and I got a phone call, and then I was getting transferred. I was like, oh, shit, he called my bluff. Um, but when I found out I was getting transferred, I was like, man, I don't know if I'll see this guy again. Because the way it works in our city is we have three different shifts, three different battalions. If you get transferred, unless you want to see somebody, you may not see somebody for three to five years. Right. Yeah. So I knew I had to sit down with the guy and, and talk to him. And uh, so I did. I sat down at work, and I was like, hey, man, I'm losing sleep over this. I just want to apologize. Uh, I know you came to me because you cared and you see the potential and I just want to apologize. I'm sorry. I never should have reacted that way. And dude, he started crying and I was like, oh shit, I was not prepared for this. So right. I got tear, I got teary eyed. I'm like, sure. man, we're, we're at work, right? Like in the watch room. I'm like, why are you crying now? I'm crying. And I'm like, great. Somebody's gonna walk in here. 
you know like and then somebody walks in and they're like are you guys fucking crying in here and i'm like get the fuck out of here no we're doing tear gas yeah yeah. so you know he looks at me and he's like hey man do me a favor just take the next step and i was like you got it i'll do it um so so to you know answer justin's question you know in in a short couple of words you gotta you just gotta have a really honest conversation with that person and nobody's gonna take you serious if you don't care like right. I knew, I knew, I knew he cared. Right. I knew deep down he cared. So if somebody sees the potential, but they don't really care about me and have a relationship with me, I think I'm only going to take them so serious. So I think you have to either develop the relationship with that person or find the person that has the relationship with that person that's able to have that conversation with them. Cause it may not be you, you may see the potential in the person, but you may not be the one to have the conversation with the person. Mm. For me, Reggie was that person. He pulled me aside. I actually studied for the test. Wouldn't you know, I applied myself. I got number six out of like 90 people. I got promoted. I'm at the promotional ceremony, getting my badge pinned. It's like feel the dreams moment. Right. Guess who's in the back of the auditorium? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Reggie. Oh, He's yeah. standing all the way in the back, doesn't sit down, just standing in the back, just nods his head. And I'm like, this is like a freaking movie. And you, you never know? know. You never know what those what those moments are that will affect no. someone's entire trajectory of their life. I mean, I'll, I am a fire officer now because Reggie pulled me aside and said, hey, I see it and you're choosing comfort. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. And I got pissed. I mean, <laughs> like, I am, I am the guy that's like comfort kills progress. And, he, and he's like, yeah, you are absolutely right. Comfort right. kills progress. Look at you. You're comfortable. And, right. Yeah. And I was, you know, I'm just mad, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, I do All want right. to say something to Justin real quick, though. Go. Go. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It is a holiday favorite, but it is not a Christmas movie. Whoa. Just, just to Whoa. clarify Whoa. that. Whoa. Just to clarify that. Oh, okay. That hurts my soul. See how I snuck that in there, though? That, that hurts my soul on so many levels. <laughs> Justin, I think me and you are on the same page on that sneak in, but not the point. Uh, (laughs) Josh, book or book, and obviously jump seat leadership, front seat leadership, engage the enemy. Phenomenal books, but book or books that have affected your life that you think firefighters should be reading. Okay, so it's a it's actual uh, it's a it's a fictional book, but it's called The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. Okay. One of the most phenomenal books I've ever read. Um, if I had to compare it to something's out there, like just somebody could understand it. It's got kind of like a like a like a Christmas Carol Scrooge kind of vibe. The setup, okay. guys, hard like hard times goes through hard times. The beginning of the book, losing his job, marriages on the ropes, uh, kidney surgery, can't afford it, and he's just going to run his car into a tree. That's his plan. He's like, I'm over it. I'm going to commit suicide. Whatever. So in the midst of this accident all of a sudden he wakes up in this room in the 1950s and he's talking to harry s truman and he's like how in the hell did i get here okay so in this book he goes through time and he's a traveler that's why they call it the traveler's gift okay and he gets to talk to these influential characters in history and they give him a piece of wisdom to take back to his life to apply it to his life so he can um actually you know turn around his life turn around his marriage turn around his family but so in the book, he meets with Harry S. Truman. Uh, he meets with King Solomon out of the Bible. He meets with Abraham Lincoln, Christopher Columbus, uh, Anne Frank. He gets to sit down with her. And the guy that wrote this did a lot of research on the actual characters, the actual people 
and brings those personalities into the book. And he, he takes these principles. Um, I think it's called the traveler's gift, the seven decisions to success or something like that. It's definitely the traveler's gift by Andy Andrews. And I've read it and I've listened to it. The guy is a phenomenal narrator. Um, I've honestly, I'm not going to lie. I've probably listened to this book 50, 60 times. It's my go-to on a road trip. And it's my son's favorite now too. Um, really? Not fire department at all. But there are lessons in this book. When he's down with Harry S. Truman, he's about to make the decision to drop the bomb. And he's having this conversation with Truman on um, you know, what he's going through. And the first principle he learns is, you know, responsibility. The buck stops here. And that's Harry S. Truman's big thing. And then he travels through time, talks to these other people. But I, I love it. That is a if if you're looking for something entertaining that will actually uh, instill some principles that could possibly change some things in your life. That's the book I would read, hundred percent. Dude, I love it. I've never heard of it, so I yeah. love the fact that I heard a book I never heard of. Awesome. Not to book. mention the uh, passion behind the story involved and everything. So yeah, so cool. Absolutely love it, man. All yeah. right. Which brings us to one of my favorite parts of the scrap, which is the five Q three, the five questions for firefighters. We are currently in the five questions for firefighters versions 3.2 it's the third iteration with a few modifications to because it, yeah. it's always changing sure but the uh points are arbitrary they're assigned by me with the help of the studio audience uh there are no right or wrong answers it is strictly your opinion so my question for you first is are you ready for the next five questions for firefighters let's do it i'm in max points all right here we go we got to do this okay number one if you could restate one thing in this scrap, would you say the greatest Christmas movie of all time is A, Die Hard, or B, Die Hard? Man, so I'm going to say the greatest Christmas movie. Look, it's a holiday favorite. I mean, I'm, I'm, I got there this year, and it took me forever to get there. It took me a long time. But so Christmas movies to me have a Christmas theme, Santa the Grinch, uh, It's a Wonderful Life even has a Christmas theme. Oh, yeah, that's theme. a classic. I can't you argue know. with It's a Wonderful Life. Right, but movies that are filmed at Christmas time, like somebody told me Gremlins is a Christmas movie. I'm like, look, I can't get on board with this. I'm sorry. It's another holiday favorite, you know, but I, I think you're thinking it's a Christmas movie, so I can't I can't do it with it's you again, I'm joking. Hey, here's the yeah. deal. You already get max points for that, for that not even a real question because you made me change it to ask you that. Right, so, holiday favorite. I like that. I like, I like the fact that you stuck to your guns on a holiday yeah, favorite. I, I have to. I can't change it. For, so for real, the number one is what is the skill that has carried you through your fire service career? Oh God, one skill. Oh, um, honestly, and I'm not great at it, and I'm I'm still improving. But I've seen the value in it. Is probably uh, I will just say humility, and I and I'm not saying that I'm good at it. I'm not over here like, hey man, I've been so good, so so humble my whole career, right? But the moments that I've sat back and checked my pride and checked my ego, I've learned some very valuable lessons and I'm still having to do that now daily at work and conversation to conversation to conversation. I mean, I had to do it the other day at work with a situation. I like, I, I'm, I do not like to bite my tongue. It is so hard. Right. And, and people know this about me. So they will like feed me Thank questions you. Yes. to ask, yes. you know, like, Hey, Lieutenant, what do you think about this? And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I'm going to say something now. Um, no, if I had to pick one thing, honestly, it'd be humility just because I've seen what checking my ego and pride can do. Uh, not that I do it on time all the time, but that's where I probably learned the most. 
So I love yeah. it. I love the answer. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy max points for me to give the answer to, because every, if anybody follows me at all, they know I, how much I value humility, but it ties into everything you've said today. And, yeah. and the fact that you say it with the, with the humility that you say it of, Hey, I know it's important and I struggle with it is, is yeah. super vulnerable, super honest, man. I appreciate it. A hundred percent, man. Uh, number two, they're all off because I typed in a new question. So <laughs> throwing me off here. Okay. Number two, it's job town. It's time. You're in route and responding. You got to think of the scene from backdraft where he slaps that cassette into the cassette deck. Uh, what song are you playing in route? Oh God. Um, Dropkick Murphy's amazing grace. People, people are going to be like, what that? So this sounds weird, but that is my funeral song. I freaking love that song. My Do wife that, hates yeah. that I've picked a funeral song already in that version. She's like, I, I have to look at people when the song comes on. I'm like, I'm not going to be here. I don't care. You know, but you could, uh, I love dropkick Murphy's first of all, yeah. but you throw the pipes in and amazing grace. And it's oh. like, uh, Hey, I can't keep my eyes dry period. I don't care what the circumstance is. It could be a monster truck. Dude, it's for, great. I played yes. it the other day. We were getting ready to do jujitsu in the morning and I turned that on and they were like, Oh God, the vibe in here just got real. Like, the bagpipe being on. We're ready to choke some people out. Yeah, and then the beat dropped, and you know they're great. It was man, it was an awesome morning though. I mean, Dropkick Murphys is where it's at, but definitely Amazing Grace, Dropkick Murphys, because it's got a little bit of look. I don't get ex- I get excited when I go to fires because I like it, but I don't get excited in the sense where I'm like, okay, it's time to go to Job Town. Let's go do this. So for me, it's the perfect song. It's chill, but it's exciting all at the same time. You know, yeah, you know, whatever. I give it to you. No, no. Yeah. I love, I love the answer. I really do yeah. love the answer. I've got, there's, there's various, uh, Greg Van Ham said max points. Anything dropkick Murphy's is awesome. But Dan yeah. Bender also fo- followed it up with, so you roll up on scene crying. So, uh, I mean, what if the fire is beautiful? You got to love it a little bit, you know, you got to uh, love it a little you, bit. Yeah. You know, I'll give it I, might, I might see the dragon and there might be a little tear just cause I haven't seen it in a while. It happens, you know, whatever. Two for two, max points. Yeah. What is your favorite? Yeah. What is your favorite fire service tradition? Uh, definitely fried chicken on Sundays. So fried chicken on Sundays. We do hot dogs and beans every Saturday. That's been a longstanding tradition. Fried chicken on Sundays has always been my favorite. Some stations have done it. Some stations haven't. Um, I got in the tradition at the station I'm at now. Every Sunday I cook for the guys. I make homemade fried chicken every Sunday. And... I would, the other day I was like, do they like it or did you just did they just not want to fry it and they want me to do it? And they're like, no, Lieutenant, like we actually like your fried chicken. So fried okay. chicken on Sundays, that's probably my hands down favorite tradition. I'm simple, man. Like if if we're not doing fried chicken on Sunday, I'm like, this isn't the fire station in Norfolk. Like we got to go somewhere else. And some stations oh, don't do this stuff anymore. You know, they've changed it or, you know, and I I eat pretty healthy for the most part. But on Sunday, I mean, fried chicken deal with it. You know, I like it. No, I like the yeah. way you say Norfolk because I would have said Norfolk and yeah. probably been corrected over and over and over. But now I'm, uh, now I'm yeah, now I'm in the know. Yeah, I don't, I don't Norfolk. correct anybody anymore. It's Norfolk. Yeah, Norfolk. Yeah. yeah. When people say uh, Josh Chase from the Norfolk Fire Department, I'm like, who's speaking? That's not me. <laughs> from the Norfolk. Yeah. Am I getting it? Am I getting it halfway? You're, you're getting there. We can work on it. All right, we'll, we'll work, work on it. it. Yeah. We'll work on that, and we'll work on the Die Hard thing too. We'll work on a couple. It, of well, them. let's baby steps. <laughs> Yeah, but um, no, I like anything that has to do with food and tradition yeah. in the fire service. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, number four on the clock. This is the one that's always on the clock. Uh, 
because people tend to do a lot of uh, honorable mentions and all this other meandering, but you get one minute to answer this one. Who are the four people you would put on your Mount Rushmore of the fire service and go. All right. Well, okay. I'm going to keep it local. If I have to, if I got to do a minute, I'm going to keep it local. I'm going to keep it personal. Mount Rushmore is a big deal. It's pretty important. So I'm going to go with my captain, my original captain, Brandon Dommel. He taught me how to be a fireman, literally taught me everything I knew about the fire service. That's the foundation that I built off of. Uh, next, I would choose Jared Sergi. He's been my brother since the beginning. Literally sat across the table from me at station number two. We've thrown food at each other, water, flour, opinions, uh, argued, fought, laughed. Jared Sergi, hands down. Uh, another guy I was at station two with, Rob Brandt. Um, another guy like been through life with, been through the fire department with. And another guy there, Dan Carter. He was always the fireman with the work-life balance that I wanted. And he just lived it out, didn't rub it in anybody's face. Just always set the example of what you could have if you wanted to have a good marriage and be a good fireman. Bam, done. With a second to spare. Whew. I uh, knew one. Yeah. I hope to meet the other three if I ever right. come to Knopfel. Good guys, man. Good guys. Uh, they honestly have kept me straight my entire career, whether I whether I want to admit it or not. So I love it, bro. And you might yeah. be the first person who went four for four local. Yeah, I man, I have to. I mean, I have these oh, guys in a group. I got them in a group text message. We go back and forth. If I bounce, they're the guys that bounce stuff off. If something happens at the department, or you know, they're the first guys to show up when something happens in life. You know, back when my wife passed away, we weren't stationed together anymore. They were the first people on the scene, first people to show up. I mean, I well, you were talking about Mount Rushmore. I got to keep it local. These are my guys. You know, I can only imagine the fact yeah. of how much impact that has on your Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah. And so. uh one hundred percent max points on on the local Mount Rushmore. I mean, yeah, I loved it. Uh, yeah. Number five, the question. It's been around since the beginning. It is heavy fire and searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? Oh, so I was raised on an engine company. That is where I was raised. Hundred percent um, raised on the engine company. And then I got to do some time on a ladder company as a ladder lieutenant. And I, man, I really enjoyed ladder work. Um, like I, I really enjoy ladder work, but I'm going to have to go back to would rather be on the nozzle. Um, look, honestly, you can agree to disagree. Whoever's out there, the engine company is the backbone of the fire service. It carries the water to the scene. You do not put out fires without water and good firemen on nozzles. That is how it works. So if only ladders and rescues and medics show up with no water and no hoses, fire does not go out. That's a fact. That is a fact. And that actually cannot be argued. So on the pipe, on the nozzle, engine company, that's my roots. Been on the ladder, got a grab, done some cool stuff. I would still choose the engine company any day of the week. Love it, man. There you go. There is max points on number five. And that officially makes it the five questions for firefighters, according to Josh Chase, which officially puts it at 221 scraps Ooh. in the books. My brother, thank you, first of all, for sharing your evening with us. And everybody's saying engine for the win, max points. It's the Lord's work. Max points going with the Lord's work. And they're throwing up these things. <laughs> I love so, it. That's me. 100%. All I love it, dude. Engine yeah. work. No, they're, they're absolutely supporting you. Uh, yeah, good, good if someone stuff. wants to get a hold of you, what is the best way they can go about doing that? 
Yeah, so head on over to the Chase Collective LLC.com. You can contact me there. You can find out more about me there. Pretty much that's just an extension of who I am. I'll answer the emails. I don't really have an assistant. You know, every now and then my wife checks stuff because I forget, but I will get back to you in a day or two. So the Chase Collective LLC.com, you can get a hold of me. And then obviously jump seat leadership, anything on social media. Um, I'm pretty regular on social media. So yeah, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. I'm a normal guy, just like, you know, a hundred percent of the people listen to this podcast. So normal, except for the whole diehard Christmas thing. Yes. Well, you know what? I'm just Agreed a little bit out of the ordinary. Yeah. Agreed you know. disagree. I just, you know <laughs> what? When Justin piped in, I was like, oh, I am. He's I'm, he's not getting away with this. He's still going with the gremlins bit. I'm not, I'm so, not caught off on the gremlins bit, but we'll yeah. see. There, yeah, I'm getting there with Die Hard. I'm getting there. Over the years, I've admitted it's a holiday favorite. I like you your know holiday, what? I like your holiday am, favorite compromise. I am gonna watch it this year. I've not watched it in a while. I will watch it this year, and I will put the verdict out if if I am completely converted. I'm just saying the closing credits like really encapsulate, but that, that's okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, housekeeping. Go to firehousevigilance.com. If you are a vigilante, you can go and join. It's five bucks a month. It's 60 bucks a year. It is the uh, Cool Kids Club, plain and simple. The vigilante swag, the after parties, the forums. We're having a forum with Robert Mears on Wednesday, and he's given all of the vigilantes homework that they hopefully have done because he is going to be quizzing you on that homework. And, of course, we have the fireaways, the questions and answer sessions, not to mention everything else we do, the vigilante meetups. But, anyway, all that stuff being said, uh, go be a part of it, firehousevigilance.com. Um, coming up next week, Bobby Eckert. Man, if there's anybody that makes waves, I don't know if there's anybody that makes bigger waves than Bobby Eckert. I don't know. But we're going to talk to him next week and see what he's up to, uh, followed by Jared Sergi. So one of my favorite people in the fire service, followed by John Salka, which has been a long time Jeez. in the making. Yeah, I've been I've been super working on that, followed by Rick Lasky. So, oh, my gosh, what a yeah, lineup. It's a killer lineup to close out. Uh, 2023 which kill 2023 has been killer anyway and so like yeah absolutely so uh again my brother josh chase thank you for being such a phenomenal guest yeah honestly man i've been wanting to do this for a while this is so awesome i appreciate you having me on and you know honestly i don't want to get out of here without saying what like you're doing some pretty cool stuff too and uh the stuff that you're doing honestly it's inspiring it's encouraging and it's just cool to be able to work with you know guys like you and just people that are out there moving the fire service forward and not competing for attention, but just not making it a competition. We're collaborating, which we didn't even talk about firemanship that opened up. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah we gotta, That's we like gotta, a whole other thing. Yeah, like we, gotta, we, we, we still got time. Yeah. 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 Talk about it. Yeah. Firemanship. So yeah. like if, if you have not listened, this is like redefining the conference experience. If you have not checked out firemanship, go check it out. I mean, like, so I did not do Brothers in Battle back when they did it. Same. Um, you know, I, I missed, didn't do I it. I missed the first time around. Yeah, I, I missed it the first time around. I heard a little bit about it. You know, heard a little bit about the guys, followed some of it. You know, got a little bit of undercurrent on the back end as they started this whole thing back up. But listen, firemanship, I looked at the stuff to look at the lineup, number one. And they are re, this isn't even a conference more than it is an experience. Right. I cannot, I mean, I just looked at the lineup and I, I'm just privileged enough. And, and I know you feel the same way to be able to go and be asked to present, but the lineup of people and the caliber of people that they've brought to this event and, and the mission and the vision behind it, I, it's, I'm telling you, honestly, it's like we talked about earlier. I don't think the fire service has seen anything like this. 
And I don't think this is going away either. Even the way they're doing the registrations. Right. I mean, you, you can register for almost nothing, but then you you donate. And uh, guys, it is, it's you've got to go over and at least it check forward. it out. It's, a, it's an invest in the fire service model. It's oh. crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. If you have not checked out firemanship or you were on the fence, you got to go. Cody and the guys, I mean, it is it is so amazing what they're doing. And if you haven't listened to the scrap with Cody, he's been on here a couple of times. Uh, I don't, you're missing. You are missing out. I mean, listen, listen to those yeah. and you'll just get not, a piece. If you're not fired up when you finish listening to Cody talk, oh, you, God. you need to I, check your pulse. Dude, I just watched a little blurb you had of like him the other day. I was yeah. flipping through Firehouse Vigilance and I was like, are we are we fighting? What's up? Where are we going? What are we Let's doing? Let's go force like, some doors. Let's go kick dude, some it doors was, in. Yeah. It was awesome. Like 30 <laughs> seconds. But yeah, dude, geez. Firemanship. You Love guys it. have got to check it out. I'll be there. Corley will be there. It's going to be a good time. It's Here's the thing. It's, it's going to be one of those. I, I really do believe this. Uh, it's going to be one of those things that you don't, you, you want to be a part of because you don't, like FOMO is real on this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you well, don't yeah, it's, it. it's. I think it's it's been brewing. This is the idea that I've obviously had to bring it back for a while, and now it's here. Yeah. And you know, I think this, like you said, this is one of those things. It'll be the first one in a long time, right? And it's going to be something new. They're very unapologetic about what they're doing, and like you said, you don't want to. It's kind of like this is the ground floor. Right, man, you don't want to miss this thing. Right. If we're on the stock market and you got to get that early investment in, it's only it's only gonna like you got to invest now, and it's right. only gonna grow from here, man. It's it's gonna be a good time. You're only gonna get one chance to say I was there at the at this one. Yes, not and, the first ones because we no, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, this one yeah. is the first model of this. The but yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah, uh, experience, man. It's more of an experience than a conference, man. It's gonna be awesome. Vigilantes, if you're going to be part of the scrap after party, Josh has agreed to come in and be roasted by the vigilantes, uh, and so uh, that I'll post the I'll post the link. It'll be a Zoom call after we close this one out. I'll, I will post it. Um, with all that being said, audience, I can't thank you enough for being here. I think we got to what maybe two questions, Josh, so may, maybe, maybe three. <laughs> John stretch. killed us with some John killed me with some honesty, dude. You that know, was great, that, dude. I love I think, John. I think that I really, John. really. Uh, was the bread and butter or not. It's just the backbone of this episode, man. I love it, man. Strong dude. It was was good. Uh, So all that being said, audience, thank you for your questions. You make the scrap magical. You make it what it is because yeah, I love you. So thank you for being here. Uh, Josh, thank you for sharing your evening with me and the audience tonight. Uh, I will post it. Everybody remember mutts don't scrap. I hope the tone stays silent unless It is burning. Everybody, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.